Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. By my scorecard, we are the fifth best Super Bowl host of all time, trailing Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Tampa. But we might have seen our last Super Bowl for some time, and I'm okay with that. Because for all the applause Michael Bidwell deserves for securing, importing, and executing the enormous undertaking of hosting a Super Bowl and doing it well, it's time for Bidwell to turn all of his attention to the football team. Or better yet, pour more resources into his football team or better still hire a new team president who can do all of that for him now this isn't meant as a criticism the economic impact of three Super Bowls in Glendale is immense so is the status and civic esteem that comes with it and props to Bidwell for thinking big for pushing our community to look and act like a big league sports town and this past week we did just that downtown Phoenix looked beautiful the weather was a Parties and celebrities and rich dudes were all over the valley. And in his unofficial role as Valley Tour Guide, I think Clue Haywood just set a record for most beers consumed in a seven-day period. The Super Bowl, by the way, was a fitting end to that historic week in the valley. And hopefully the arrival of Matt Ishbia will set a new standard for valley owners, a man who clearly and dramatically put his money where his proverbial mouth was. And hopefully that will inspire Bidwill moving forward. Because I think we can all agree on this. We have had our fill of big events. We need our own championship. And it's time we all commit to that. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. You've got two great locations, and they make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, well said. Um, and you've, you've intimated as much, and I think the, the point was driven home again. Uh, the Valley... The state of Arizona is great at hosting championship events. Unfortunately, they're all neutral site events. Yeah, with teams yep. not from our uh, from our area codes participating well, in them. Here's here's what I hope here, here's what I hope Michael Bidwell would think um, after last night's game. I, I would I would think that you know he'd give himself a little pat on the back and say, okay, this is good. This is not easy to pull off and. And politically, you've got to you got to have enough clout. You got to have enough juice in the league. You got to be persuasive. You've got to be able to round up a lot of money locally. You've got to be able to deliver transportation and hotels and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, and and they found a way to do all of that. And props to them for all of that. But since Michael Bidwell took over as as the guy running this show in Arizona, and I'm not sure what year it was. It was probably somewhere around the BA time, you know. When the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, Bill Bidwell was pretty much still in charge. Yeah, and that was the 08 season, 09 Super Bowl. So let's just say that from the time Michael Bidwell unofficially took control of the Cardinals, he's hosted two Super Bowls, 2015 and last year, which means two more teams have won championships in his building than he has playoff victories Mm -hmm. since 2015. True. We've had three teams now win titles in that building. The Giants did it, the Patriots did it, now the Chiefs have done it. That's a lot of that's a lot of people celebrating your own building. It's about time we, we get local with this. It's about time we achieve that. Well, just look at it big picture when it comes to the Cardinals. I mean, in the span of about 14, 15 months, this team went from the talk of the NFL, the best team in the NFL, a Super Bowl favorite, 
to where they are now. It, yeah, it's right. It, I mean, it's remarkable and, in in negative ways that how, how well, far they've fallen this it, quickly. It's funny, and you can take it a step further. There was a time at the height of that when when B. A. and Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell had a good synergy going between the three of them. That Arizona was looked at as a destination city in the NFL. Ever since then, we've had a parade of former Cardinals ripping the organization. You don't have to look hard to find somebody to speak poorly of the Arizona Cardinals. That's true because they have. It's on record, and so I so I think that that should be a that should be a goal for the next ten years. Aside from winning a Super Bowl, should be kind of reclaiming that status that that we are a classy organization that treats people the right way, and people who work here don't want to leave. The Matt Ishbia credo. Yeah, I'm going to treat people so good they're never going to want to leave. And listen, I I think that you know it, it again. I think the former general manager had a lot to do with that. There was a lot of from the Patrick Peterson incidents to others. I, I think it's time. Time to turn the page now and try to create a much better future with this is the focus. Because Michael Bidwell even said so in that cut. At the end of last week, he got a little grief from people for not speaking, for refusing to take questions from the local media about his coaching search. Mm-hmm. He then talked to his own in-house website about that. Yes. And he acknowledged that, okay, you know, I've uh, it's the first time in history when an owner's been doing all this at once. Mm-hmm. I get that. Well, and I said it last week, and I truly believe this, that there's no way a year ago that Michael Bidwell knew, hey, February of, of 2023 is going to be all about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He didn't think he would be having to hire a coach. He didn't no. think so. No. Nobody did. No. No, I think you're right about that. And so now the question becomes, how do you get this thing back um, to that level? You can turn things around quick in the NFL. I think you look at the Philadelphia Eagles last night. That is a team that really... It focuses drafting offensive and defensive linemen. They probably have the deepest deepest O line and D line combinations in the league. I would and, agree. and that was a huge part of their success this year. That is something I would look at if I was Michael Bidwell and go, okay, that makes sense. I can learn from that. And there's obviously countless other things, but I think we, yeah, you see that winning in the NFL, it's not easy. Winning a championship is not easy. And it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, and a lot of good people. And it's 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 about time the Cardinals get back in that game. Yeah, and there's almost, I don't know if there's ever a square one, but they're pretty close to square one. Pretty close. Breaking it down. Pretty close. Um, the amount of holdovers on this team is going to be minimal. Uh, I'm very curious now as Super Bowl's in the rear view. You move forward to the beginning of the league year, roster construction, and that in, in massive number of, of unrestricted free agents that the Cardinals have. And if you go over that list, you can make an argument for maybe three of those four guys to come back where it actually makes sense. Yeah. No, that's right. not a high no. number. Yeah. Listen, so, so I think you take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They realized, okay, with our second shot, we got our franchise quarterback. That's got to be the Cardinals deal. Did they get their guy with their second shot? Obviously, Josh Rosen, he didn't work out so hot. And so Kyler Murray's kind of in a weird crossroads right now. Yes. Which way is he going? And complicated by the fact that he's injured. And rehabbing from a serious injury, something he's never done before. Indeed. It is not an enviable place for them to be in. Uh, And they're still looking for a head coach, too. And that'll be our focus next as another candidate emerges. Is he the favorite? Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator of the Eagles, following their Super Bowl loss. We'll get into the latest on the coaching front next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
update on the coach uh, search is that we have, um, for this week, we moved uh, three coaches to a final round of interviews and or second round. Uh, we've had two of those three interviews. Uh, Brian Flores decided to accept the position as defensive coordinator at the um, at, at, at the Minnesota Vikings. And so, but it's Super Bowl weekend. The entire NFL is focused on the Super Bowl. So we're going to pause throughout the rest of the weekend and, and get uh, restarted on this Monday morning. That is Michael Bidwell last yeah. week talking to azcardinals.com about the coaching search, which continues. It is now five weeks since uh, the firing of Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. That means we are six weeks on the calendar <laughs> into this coaching search. By far the longest coaching search that's uh, taken place recently uh, in Arizona Cardinals history. It won't matter if they get the right guy. Is it impossible to get the right guy this late? No. You have to get lucky. It is not, but I don't think this has gone the way that the Cardinals expected it to go starting in, in early January. No. No, listen, and and it's again. I think the hey, we're moving slowly because that's how we roll here. It, that can also be sort of a cover for nobody wants this job. I think Tom Palacero last week said that Dan Quinn would have been the head coach three weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, what Tom Pelissero told us on uh, Friday on Bickley and Murata Mornings. My, my belief is if Dan Quinn had not decided not to take a head coaching job in this cycle, the Cardinals would have had their head coach a couple of weeks ago. Didn't end up playing out that way. And so, you know, they got Luana Rumo talking to him today. Mike Kafka um, he was there on Tuesday, or excuse me, Zooming on Tuesday because they're, they're back to Zooms here. And, and I know the Cardinals have you know been digging around on some of the coaches in this game too. And so we'll see, you know, how exactly they wrap up this process. Yeah, the coach they're digging around in the uh, last Last night's Super yeah. Bowls, Jonathan Gannon, defensive uh-huh. coordinator, interviewing today. Okay, so Jonathan Gannon, um, in some cursory research that I've done, uh, a couple things. Uh, he's he, he's a fast rising kind of guy. He's got no um, he's got no system per se. He believes in molding a system around the talent. So I like that. I, I like a head coach who's got to have chops where he can go left, he can go right, he can do this, he can do that. Just basically on the on the talent that he has. So I'm I'm cool with that. But again. This is a defensive coordinator uh, on a staff, a good staff, that that you wonder exactly, okay, how much of this is is he basking in the success of his team and how much of this is a, you know, a, a, a new impact coach ready to be hired elsewhere? Um, we've seen this story played out many, 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 many times. And it's, it's, you don't have to look any further than the Bill Belichick coaching tree to understand how, how, how guys can get a great reputation, then when they get the job themselves, it's like, okay, I this is a little too much for me. I just, I, I wonder really uh, perceptually what that's going to look like because this would be uh, perceptually the worst time to hire Jonathan Gannon. Coming out of the second half of last night's Super Bowl, yeah. when your defense that led the world in, in, in quarterback sacks couldn't get to Patrick Mahomes. I mean... Hassan Reddick pressured. I mean, there was a couple times, a lot of times you heard mm-hmm. pressure by Hassan Reddick, but he just couldn't get there. Reddick was very frustrated. Uh, didn't blame it on the turf, but yeah. thought there were times where he was able to, he thought he'd be able to turn he'd the corner, but the, the turf couldn't, yeah. couldn't help him. But yeah, I mean, the Eagles are coming off their worst defensive game of the year last night. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about yeah. it. No sacks, no turnovers. Nope. They, they allowed the Kansas City Chiefs to out-eagle the Eagles. They were able to run the football. 
If you would have told me Pat, the Chiefs are going to win that Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes throwing for 182 yards, I would have said, "Nah, good luck with that," because I didn't think yeah, the Chiefs would be right. able to run the ball, and they did. Yeah, I would. That's ex- that's exactly how I would have handicapped the, that as but, well. But the Cardinals' mo, Bick, right now is. Making moves when it's perceptually the wrong time. And that dates back to last offseason. Yeah, well, you're right. It's sort of become kind of their brand. Now, that doesn't mean they can't get real lucky here. They could get real lucky the way in which they got real lucky with Bruce Arians. Yes. and He it, was but, the last coach hired right, in that, in that right. cycle. But unfortunately, that when you come down to the last coaches <laughs> hired in a cycle, that's what we're talking about. you got to get lucky. But that was a little different. The, the last Bruce Arians, the last coach in that cycle, was, oh, by the way, the reigning head, uh, the coach of the year in the NFL oh, yeah. because of what he did there's as an interim that. in Indianapolis. Yeah, so that's a little bit different. Uh, Buda Baker uh, of the Arizona Cardinals, he made the media rounds last week at uh, Super Bowl 57. He joined Kay Adams on the Up and Adams show and kind of outlined what he look, is looking for in the Cardinals' next head coach. Just be real. You know, whatever that is, just be yourself. Don't be anything else. Don't be anything different. You don't got to try to put any type of front with anybody. Just be real. Be who you are, whether that's a, you know, a loud mouth or whether that's a quiet, more, you know, humble-ish type person. So just be whoever you are, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Something that I really like is that Eagles coach. Um, he's, he's, who, he's who he is. Nick Sirianni. Exactly. So just seeing that is definitely special as a player. Is there a hint there? Maybe because Jonathan Gannon has shown that same kind of outward personality at times as Nick Sirianni does. They, they are uh, they're definitely a different breed on that coaching staff. Oh yeah, you can say that again. And and who, they, who, they run hot. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Who was it last week that told us they think they invented football? <laughs> Schlereth, maybe. Yeah, it was Mark Schlereth. I think it was. That's who it was? Uh, you know, when Nick Sirianni was bawling during the national anthem, I'm like, wow. Because generally, as a head coach, you're at that point in time. You're trying to really manage those emotions. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it the song? Was it the moment? Was it the performance by Chris Stapleton? We'll never know. Uh, Buda Baker also on that same show was asked, "Hey, what does Kyler Murray need in the next head coach of the Cardinals?" I feel like it's going to be more structure. You know, understanding what to do, understanding the little intricate details of the game plan week in and week out. And um, I definitely feel like that coach is going to have to need that for Kyler and for the whole team because you know we, we kind of need that. We need that. We need that. You know, that foundation that that front runner type person that is going to um, you know show us what we have to do before the week to win and then we'll go from there. Yeah, Buda Baker is one of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. Zayvon Collins was another guy and right. it came out last week that they were lobbying for Vance Joseph to get that job because of the familiarity and we thought at a time too that that was going to be the fallback plan for the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. I, I do give them credit for washing clean what happened last year. Yeah, I did You too. have to make the difficult decision to hire Cliff Kingsbury after an extension. But uh, we were both in agreement. Bringing back a, 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 you know, a portion, not even a large portion, but any portion of the coaching staff would kind of lead you down that same road and give yeah. that feel of a bridge season, which after a four-win season, nobody wants a bridge season. Well, but at we, least with new coaching personnel, it's going to feel a little bit well, different. Well, because like, take this from a, from a very ground-level approach. Vance Joseph, in his role as defensive coordinator, I think he's been a, a, a real asset for the Cardinals. But if you were to say, okay, it's your job now, your turn, Vance, if he comes in and he starts screaming and yelling, 
gelling and just and trying to provide the structure and discipline this team so sorely badly needs. I mean, here we are. We're we're what five weeks outside of the firing of Cliff Kingsbury, and now now you're getting players admitting, yeah, too soft, too soft. We didn't do anything in training camp, and you look back and you go, how could you let this happen? How, I, Mm-hmm. Right. And and so so to ask Vance Joseph to come in and then suddenly change over a culture that he was part of, that's insanity. With all due respect yeah. to Vance and his abilities, that's insanity. I agree. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep you updated on yep. any developments uh, with the interview of Jonathan Gannon, the third finalist now for the head coaching position, along with Lou Anarumo and uh, Mike Kafka. Uh, but the Cardinals still looking for that head coach. Looks, like they're, gonna be last, <laughs> looks like they're going to be last in this cycle uh, after all. Coming up next, we will uh, talk some Suns basketball as we inch closer to the debut of Kevin Durant. We'll talk to our own Kellen Olsen from Arizona Sports. It's Pickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. really really quickly um, I would say it was a couple days before um, we actually made the deal um, we connected on on multiple things but you know it was the subject of KD potentially you know being in Phoenix um, was something that he, he wanted to pursue and something that the Nets were open to discussing and so we started having conversation and they went really really quickly and here we are that's James Jones president of basketball operations of the Phoenix Suns on with Burns and Gambo last week here on Arizona Sports the uh, story everybody in the NBA world is still talking about the Suns they were able to make the trade for Kevin Durant we won't see him on the court for a while we saw a couple of Suns uh, former Suns make their debuts for the Brooklyn Nets over the weekend here to talk about the Suns at this point our uh, Suns insider from Arizona Sports Kellen Olsen joins us on the Arizona Sports line good morning Kellen how are you Morning, guys. Doing well. I know it was a head-spinning turn of events <laughs> in the middle of the week, and I know we dealt with it after uh, getting the news on Thursday morning that that deal went down. Uh, have you been able to recover yet? Yeah, I, I feel great. I'm ready to cover All right, what good. is going to be a, a different basketball team with far uh, more expectations, as I'm sure you guys have talked about. When you break this down, Kellen, we talked about it last week. My biggest concern with all of this is, hey, Kevin Durant is an all-timer. There's no doubt about it. Top 12, top 15 player of all time. You're adding him to a team that's got great talent already. But with 22 games left about when when he's ready to make his debut, and then you factor in probably a few games off here and there for injury management, you're looking at 18, 19 games to get this right heading into the playoffs. How big of a concern is that for you? Uh, it, it's it's a slight concern, but I, I wouldn't say it's 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 chief among them. I, I think that defensively there are some things that they have to figure out. Um, I, I think that replacing Mikel Bridges on that end just changes the way that you design your defense entirely. So I'm just curious to see how much of their scheme changes, what they do exactly. I think obviously who defends John Morant, Jamal Murray, CJ McCollum, De'Aaron Fox, like those kinds of guys, right? Like from a one-on-one uh, matchup perspective, there's that that changes as well, but there's their scheme as well. I think Kevin Durant's going to help a lot there. He is an excellent defensive player. He has been really, really good on that end this year. So he's going to help there, but there's still some big-time adjustments there. Offensively, honestly, guys, I don't think there's much adjustment at all. I'm not saying that you just slip him in to Mikael Bridges' role by any means, but Kevin Durant has done this multiple times before, and I saw over the weekend that Steve Kerr 
was asked, like, how difficult was it to adjust once a player like Kevin Durant came in, and he just uh, told me, like, honestly, wasn't that hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's the type of thing that you rarely hear for a player of his magnitude because it you have to change your system to get the most out of those types of players. But uh, Kevin Durant has done this a couple of times now. I, I, the word adaptability is what I've been coming back to for the last couple of days here in, in talking about him because he's done this before, and especially on offense with the way that the Suns play similar to the way Golden State plays with their philosophies. He's going to He's going to fit right in, and they have a lot of sets with Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges already that that designed that are designed to get him the ball in the spots that he likes to have the ball. So that won't be much of an issue. They've still got some some things to figure out there. Of course, I, I think we all want to see. Okay, three minutes left in the game. This is when it's usually Devin Booker or Chris Paul, and now Kevin Durant enters a picture. It should probably be Kevin Durant who has the ball, honestly. But they've got that kind of whole thing to figure out that everyone's curious to see. But honestly, the adjustment period. I'm watching defense more than offense. Gotcha. Yeah. And I- I'm curious about this. What do you think, and and maybe this is much ado about nothing, because transition basketball doesn't really, um, it it really isn't that relevant or resonant in the postseason, but just the pace at which the Suns operate their offense, is that a concern without the young guys, the Twins? No, I, okay. I don't. I don't think so because I think Kevin Durant wants to wants to play at a similar pace. I think that should Kevin Durant get an isolation possession or two a quarter, probably because because he's Kevin Durant. Now is that going to like a bog down the Suns' defense? No, or offense, I should say. It, it won't. And and it, when they get transition opportunities, still they are going to run. I think it's going to be more interesting to see once the playoffs come around, Dan, if if they choose to slow down games. I think we've seen certain teams in, in certain in situations offensively choose that for the better of, of, of the pace of the game. And, and that's where I wonder if they'll switch to that a bit more. I think that it benefits them to play quicker. It's always helped their style of play more. And it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that over the next couple of weeks. But in terms of changes offensively, I'd be really surprised if we're sitting here three weeks later and talking about how much their offense has changed again. Like I'm, I'm going back to the defense. Kellen Olson from Arizona Sports, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. There's been a lot of discussion, a lot of people trying to figure out, all right, with all these new pieces coming in, who's going to be ultimately that fifth member of the starting lineup with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Kevin Durant? You could certainly make an argument for uh, Torrey Craig, who's been good this year in, in that role, pressed into that duty when, when Cam Johnson went down. You can make an argument for Josh Okoge. Who is your argument for, or do you think it's more situation-based, more matchup-based moving forward? I think that's what it could ultimately come down to, but this, for me, you guys are talking about like things we're going to be watching for over these 22 games. I think this is it, honestly, because the identity of this team when it comes to depth, like, that was the most fascinating part of this trade to me is because we, we talked over the summer about this. Like If they made a Kevin Durant trade, that was going to abandon the team-building philosophies of James Jones, and, and this is still... A pretty deep team, but it's a deep team in a different way now where with the addition of Terrence Ross, they've got 11 guys now essentially competing for what will be, what, three or four spots. And and if you look at a guy like Terrence Ross, for example, it's him, Landry Shamit, Damian Lee, and Josh Okogie. And probably, it'll probably just be one of those guys that plays in the playoffs, maybe two. And and then you look at backup point guard, that's probably where campaign is going to play. You've got the backup big spot, that's Biombo or Landale. But again, that could fluctuate based on matchup. Guys, remember, like Kevin Durant should play some small ball five. So we we don't even know 
how much they're going to be playing a backup five, and then you've got the backup four spot. That's where a couple of other names come in. I think that it should be Torrey Craig for now. I think that the stability that he brings as someone who has played in the system for a whole lot of time, plus his his rebounding and his defense and just the rhythm that he's been able to find in that spot this year is in there. But I think a lot of guys have a lot of different cases. I think someone like Ish Wainwright has a pretty good case, to be honest. He's yeah, played the best basketball of pretty much anyone that we're going to talk about for that spot in the last three weeks. I think that he's been playing the best basketball of his career. He's in an interesting spot where his two-way contract is about to run out of games and they've got to get him on a regular deal if they want to keep him around. But you look at the defense and offense uh, combination that you're looking for out of these guys, and I think that it's just been just about as good as anyone. But you can make a case for a half dozen guys, Vince, like you're saying, and that's what's going to make to me the thing that I'm going to be watching the most over the next two, three weeks until, of course, that number 35 steps on the court for the first time. Now, obviously, uh, the, the three of these guys together, um, the Phoenix Suns weren't exactly beloved across the NBA prior to this. T- talk to me a little bit about the target that's going to be on their back and, and, and just what that element of it all, the, the psychological element now uh, of the Sons instantly regaining a swagger that, that quite frankly, kind of been lost a little bit this year. I, I think that it's going to come in some different ways, Dan. It's, it's been interesting to hear and read some of the reactions to this, of course, because I think that at least locally, I think a lot of people are looking at this and they are worried about that fifth starter. They are worried about the the construction of this team now and if they gave up too much and the depth that they need. But uh, I'll have a piece up on ArizonaSports.com later today just about Terrence Ross and, and just about the depth that they have. And depth doesn't really matter when you have a top five player, a top ten player, and then two guys that range from what, like 30 to 60 or 70, depending on how optimistic or pessimistic you want to be about Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, you think back to some, and I'm not saying the Suns are headed for this at all, but you think back to some of the greatest teams we've had in the last 15 years, the fifth starters. You guys remember Mario Chalmers, Zaza Pachulia, Tiago Splitter, guys like that. Like, we're not, we're not talking about them by any means in terms of, like, key difference makers on teams, but the, it was because of the greatness around them. And I think that's going to be the thing about this team specifically. I'm interested, Dan, to see what happens if they start rolling off 11 in a row. Yeah. I think that's when the chatter will really start to begin with, like, oh, brother, Kevin Durant on a super team again. Here we go again. <laughs> Is this really Kevin Durant's team? Is this what he needed to solidify his legacy? Right. Get ready for a lot of Kevin Durant legacy talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that personally does not really interest me as much. I know you guys will we'll get into it a fair bit, as is your job with this kind of thing. But honestly, I'm just really excited to see Kevin Durant play basketball in this style with these guys specifically. And I think that's what applied to him, too, the most about this. But, of course, everyone is going to talk about this in some kind of way. Well, it's interesting because this will become Kevin Durant's team now. It's like, uh, well, no, it, it's Devin Booker's team still. But that's how this works, and that's yeah. how it's going to work here for a while. And, and I don't think that... That Kevin Durant will care much about that, to be honest. Again, we all try and think about what he thinks, but I, I, I think he's just ready to and really excited to play in the system with these guys as he should be. Kellen, before we let you go, Terrence Ross's name has come up a bit, and I've been a fan of Terrence Ross. I like what he brings. I yeah. like his skill set. Um, I am a little bit surprised that the Suns went down that road for more of a wing, more of a swing player in the buyout market as opposed to a backup point because the concern, I mean, I've got concerns about Cameron Payne. This injury has lingered for a long time. How do you break down that whole process and, and what the Suns ultimately opted to do? 
Yeah, I would tell Suns fans to keep an eye on ArizonaSports.com today. Hopefully we will get an update from Monty Williams in some fashion. They haven't been home for about a week and a half here, so we haven't been able to speak with him about it. And then, of course, the All-Star break is coming up. It did look like campaign did some on-court uh, basketball activity so far in the last week or two, which is, of course, where your concern went was coming from Vince because we didn't see him do any of that uh, the last time they were home. So uh, hopefully he's doing well, and I would assume that this type of move indicates that he's doing well in, in that facet. I think the more interesting thing is here, they, I, I think shooting and defense were the two things that they need, needed to address with, with the buyout market, and they opted for shooting more than defense. But Terrence Ross is a guy who's incredibly athletic still, at this point in his career, but it's just a matter of if he can put things together. You guys remember how we would see guys leave the Suns a couple of years ago and wonder if they could put it together defensively, like Eric Bledsoe went from a guy who we watched fall asleep off the ball to a guy who made an all-defense team on the Bucks. So you just never know how that transition is going to go for guys. Terrence Ross is coming from Orlando where he was for seven years, so we don't really know what to expect from him defensively, but he can shoot the ball and he can score, and, and they needed someone like that. That's why T.J. Warren is an important part of this team as well. Uh, it was an interesting ad, though, Vince. You're right. I think it does add up to me, though, at least. that It seems like we should be seeing campaign sooner rather than later, but again, keep an eye out for updates coming in the next couple of days while the Suns are, are home here uh, for the last two games for the All-Star break and then, of course, through the All-Star break. Gotcha. Callan, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olson covers the Suns, ArizonaSports.com. We're all excited. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's different. <laughs> it's going to have oh. a different feel starting oh. tomorrow night at Footprint Center. Coming up next, Patrick Mahomes once again reigning supreme, winning his second Super Bowl. And you want to talk about an impressive five-year resume. He's got it. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. They're going to throw a quick pass to Tony. He's got it on the edge. He will walk into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Kadarius Tony on a pick route to the near side. Couldn't be more wide open. Yeah, that was uh, one of two of the easiest touchdowns you'll see in Super Bowl history. In the fourth quarter, touchdown passes from Patrick Mahomes. That one went to uh, Kadarius Toney, who also had a huge punt return, maybe the biggest swing play in the game uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. The second one went to Sky Moore, where, uh, especially on that one, the Eagles just brought the house down near the goal line. And it was, but it was basically <laughs> the same play. It's basically it, the it, same play to the other side. Yeah, and so Peter King, as he can do, he got a couple minutes with Andy Reid afterwards, and he found out the name of that play is corn dog corn dog I, I thought that is just it, it tell me that's not andy reed to a t <laughs> corn dog the play that won the super bowl well they did the merry merry-go-round formation yeah, uh, a couple plays that, before that <laughs> fooled nobody but still it was cute to kind of see <laughs> the reaction in the stadium when they did that though was something else because that's just something you, you you don't see that Eric Bieniemy, whose name conspicuously has not come up in this coaching search this cycle. Okay, he's he interviewed for one head coaching job, I think. Okay, yeah. he's getting credit for that corn dog play. Apparently, he was watching a lot of film and he realized that a lot of times those wide receivers come in that that jet sweep motion and they either duck inside or they look for a a pass it or for like a, a rub route or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it dawned on him, hey, if we fake that and have the guy hightail back to where he was, he's going to be wide open. And it worked twice. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I think that um, there's that. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes wins the uh, MVP award for the second time. He joins a very small group. I think he's the sixth player to win two or more Super Bowl MVPs. 
uh, all quarterbacks. He's done it in the first six years of his career, the first five years as a starter. He is a two-time Super Bowl champion, a two-time Super Bowl MVP, a two-time regular season MVP. He's won Offensive Player of the Year. He's made the Pro Bowl five times. He's led the NFL in passing touchdowns twice. He set a record for passing yardage this year in a single season. Mm -hmm. Uh, That led Ryan Clark on ESPN this morning to make this claim already about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has put himself in the conversation for best of all time or best we've seen just simply off of the way he plays the game. The excellence in which he's shown since he became the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs. And let's talk a little bit about the numbers. There are the two MVPs, the two Super Bowl wins. There's also the five AFC championships, the three conference championships that he's won. And then it's watching him play and what he means to this team. To me, Patrick Mahomes is already top three all time. You're going to include him in conversations with Joe Montana and Tom Brady. But then when you look at both of those players as compared to Patrick Mahomes and the skill set and the talent and the things that he can do on the field that we've never seen, I don't believe that close. Look, that might be premature, but it's certainly trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes' early resume is the best we've ever seen in the NFL, and that includes Tom Brady. And Tom Brady spread it out. Now, it's preposterous to think that any of the great quarterbacks that are playing right now are going to play to the age of 45 and be effective the way Tom Brady did, but when you compare early season first five years as a starter resumes, it's hard to beat what Patrick Mahomes has done. Oh, I, I think it's almost impossible. And it's not just the results, it's the style points, it's the arm talent, it's it's the legend, it's all that kind of stuff. And and like I said, I, I, I think that um, I, I didn't realize just how physically tough Patrick Mahomes was until, and I knew he was tough, but we all watched it. We all watched how he just would not come off a football field and to the point where his head coach had to sit him down. Mm-hmm. And, and that is I mean, that's not the smartest thing in the world to do, but at the same time, when you see when you see how much the game matters to the people at the very, very top, you, you look at those as, as sort of standard bearers. And that's something that our guy here has got to work on quite clearly. Um, so, yeah, I think all those things are sort of resonant. Well, let's go down that because we, yeah. we talked about that earlier and watching the quarterbacks play last night and, and Mahomes is certainly in a different class, but the Jalen Hurts comparison to Kyler Murray. And then we played the comments of, from, from Buda Baker who said, uh, you know, what he's looking for in a head coach is just somebody who's real, who's somebody who's going to be themselves. Mm-hmm. The Kyler Murray question for me, does he need to improve in, in areas? Yes. But if change is shown, if he makes an effort to be that outwardly different with body language, with interacting with teammates, with leadership skills, those guys that are holdovers, they're going to be like, where's this been for the last four years? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and it, But I do also believe, I think that there's some, there's some growth that can happen in Kyler Murray that might be very organic and natural and wouldn't look like a guy faking it. Because I do think he's been very, very sheltered. And I think at some point in time, guys like that they tend to they tend to sprout or not. Okay, but but I think that in the case of Kyler Murray, it's going to have to happen. Look, Kyler Murray's most um, passionate show of defiance it came twice this past season. One came at that press conference he assembled to kind of take umbrage with the fact that he doesn't study. That was number one. Yes. And number two would be the heat that he showed Cliff Kingsbury coming yes. to the sideline that night. 
He needs to kind of dial that heat and that smoke and all the people laughing at him, predicting he's going to be gone. I said this earlier. I don't know if you put this question up there. I'll bet you. Where are we running, by the way? Do we want to say we'll the yeah, we're five minutes Social away from yeah. next. Stay, stay tuned, <laughs> okay, but it stay is tuned. up there. Okay. The, the options are, by the end of his contract, so essentially in the next five years, what's more likely that he's going to be either you know a Super Bowl winner or an MVP or be out of the league? Right. That's the option. I'll be curious so, to see what the, what, yeah. the, what the reactions are, because I think a lot of people now, are, at least from what I can tell anecdotally, they're thinking this kid ain't going to make it. Yes. And so if, if I'm Kyler Murray, I would be, and, and you really are what you say say you are, if you really are that dude that loves football more than anything, if you really are that dude who wants to bring a Super Bowl to Arizona more than anything in your life, then this has got to, this has got sure. to motivate you. And on that point, finally, on, on the, the subject of unlocking Kyler Murray, whoever is the next offensive coordinator slash head coach needs to be able to do that. And Eric Bieniemy's name came up earlier in this segment. It's been connected tangentially to the next offensive coordinator position for the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is actually an intriguing possibility. Eric Bieniemy spent about 4 years heavily rumored in the head coaching cycle, has not been able to land a job despite being part of a coaching staff that wins a lot of games and now plays for Super Bowls and wins Super Bowls. If he wants to branch out, if he wants to get underneath out from underneath that Andy Reid umbrella, you come to Arizona and you're the guy that can maximize Kyler Murray, write your ticket, Eric Bieniemy. You're going to get a job. Well, okay, yeah. And and again, it's it's one of the NFL's great mysteries, isn't it? Yes. A coordinator that accomplished, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback who's been at the helm of a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Somebody isn't just giving him a shot. I mean, all the friends of Sean McVay have gotten jobs. I mean, the only explanation is he goes into a job interview and conducts himself like uh, Dale and Brennan from Step Brothers. <laughs> Everybody I, remembers that job interview, right? Yeah, yeah I, I do Seth not, but, but, but I am going to assume it was a very, very bad job interview. Because it was. That, I'll show you the clip during the break. Well, this is Hello, my lady. This is, is that how it began? Yeah, there was some flatulence okay. involved, too. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. See, now that wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the possibilities are intriguing. If he truly wants to branch out and be a head coach in the league, that might be the next step to do it. That's just my thought. Coming up next, we'll hit. Uh, we'll get the answer to that question about Kyler Murray's future and a lot more as Sarah Gazelle takes us through social studies on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.